Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! Thank you, Jesus. Man, His presence is so sweet, amen. John B. Key used to sing this song, Sweeter Than Anything I Know. And, you know, the scripture says, sweeter than the honey from the honeycomb. And I remember one time I was with the boys. We're driving somewhere. I can't remember what it was. It may have been back when we was in Florida or even Virginia. I think it was Florida because Keenan was definitely talking about them. We're driving somewhere, and I'm just thinking about the goodness of God. You ever, you ever just take time to think about the goodness of God, how, how just how he's so good? And that song just bubbled up, and I just began to sing, Sweeter than honey from honeycomb, the Lord is sweeter, he is sweeter. And I'm going through the, I'm going to tell the world about it. And I'm getting the boys to repeat after me. And uh, one of them said, Daddy, what what do you mean by sweeter than the honeycomb? And, uh, you know, Kenan's like, you mean the cereal? And I'm like, no. I said, like, boys, you know, honey, it comes from bees. And they're like, yeah, I said, but the sweetest part of the honey, it comes straight from the honeycomb. Not from a jar, not from a bottle on the store. I said, if you want it pure, if you want to add, and scientists have proven that honey at its most sweetest and purest form is from the source. I said, and so when we're singing that, we're saying that Jesus is even sweeter than that because he is the source. And I just sense this. Like Kelsey was saying, the kindness of God, I just sense his presence, the sweetness of his presence. And I believe that we're experiencing that today because guess what? This week has been a heavy week. I don't know about you, but for me, it's been a heavy week. We live in a world where it is full of heaviness. Amen. Amen. Full of drama, full of trauma, full of struggle, full of all these different things. And this is a time, and and honestly, this should not be the only time that you are experiencing what you're experiencing this morning. But God is kind enough to be like, hey, even though I want you to experience this all the time, you're going to get it today. Amen. Look at somebody and say, you're going to get it today. Hallelujah. The Lord put a, the Lord put an idea in my heart. Um, right before we started, right before we um, went to see Kelsey's family the first time. And I um, I thought about it. I put it in my notes. I'm like, I would love to talk about this series. The Lord put this series in my heart. And then as I was playing it out last night, I was looking over. And I was like, Lord, Lord, Lord. And he brought me back to this. But uh, this morning, I, uh, we're going to be talking about liturgies. Somebody say liturgies. liturgies. We're definitely going to get deep in it too this morning. Um, if you have a Bible, we're going to be we're going to start on Colossians chapter three, verses one through ten. If you're taking notes, but um, this week will be week one in our in our um, short series called Liturgies. But I love this in Colossians chapter three. If you don't have it, it's all good. We'll put it on the screen in the Passion translation. But it says verse one. It says Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. Meaning, what he him rising out of the grave. We talked about this. But not only did he raise from the grave. Guess what? You rose too. Amen. Amen. He the Bible says he rose with all power in his hands. You rose with all power in your hands. Amen. That's why the devil loves to make us feel defeated. 
That's why he loves to attack our mental state. That's why he loves, and guess what? He has no power, so all he can do is present a false narrative. Amen? Amen. He, he can make it look like it's, it's something, but it's really not. Paul says, this is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits, enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. So therefore, when it comes to your desires, if your desire is not this, if you're, ooh, this is not in the notes, so here you go. If your desire cannot be found in heaven, you shouldn't desire it. If your desire cannot be found where Jesus sits, then you should not be desiring it. Amen? That's, that's a bar. All right, verse 2. Yes, feast on all these treasures. It's like Paul knew I was going to say that. He said, yes. He was a man of me. Yes. Feast on all these treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts. This is one of our foundational scriptures with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Watch verse three. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God in Christ. Amen. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed for you are now one with him in his glory. Live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live as one who died to diseases and desires for forbidden things, including the desire for wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. When you live in these vices, you ignite the anger of God against these acts of disobedience. That's how you once behaved. Somebody say, that's how I once was. Now watch this. It says, characterized. You once was characterized by your evil deeds, but now it's time to eliminate them from your lives once for all. Anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech, and lying. Lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade in disguise. And then verse 10. For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed. I like that continually. So that means the Holy Spirit is working on you daily. Amen. It's not a one and done. If you watch sports, the, 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 the trend in sports is go to college one year, then try to make it to the pros. But with this, it's not a one and done thing. The Holy Spirit doesn't come on Sundays. It doesn't doesn't work in your life. You don't just experience this on Sundays, but it's a continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full, somebody say full, full, revelation of God. I like the fact that it's a continuing process because there are some days where I can, I, I mean, I can shout the presence of God into the truck and I'd be like, ah, to worship you, I live. Or I mean, I exalt thee. And then there's some days where I don't feel like exalting them. There's some mornings where I wake up and I'm like, oh, Lord, art high above all the earth. Yes, God, I can feel his presence. And then there's some days where I'm like, where well, yeah, God. Lord, you say you're above the herb. I need you to come right here, Lord. There are some days where I'd be like, Lord, thank you so much for these three little blessings. Lord, you didn't have to do it, but you did. And there are some days where I'm like, Lord, is there somebody that can take these blessings for an hour? Lord, bless me to, <laughs> to bless you. 
You know, there's some day, but I love it because even it's a continuing. He is continuing. Why? I love it because in those moments where I don't feel him, where I can't see him, where I can't sense him, where I can, where I'm, I'm struggling to remember what his word says. Guess what? His Holy Spirit is still continuing to renew. Amen. Amen. His Holy Spirit is continuing to renew, continuing, continuing. Amen. Amen. The work of the Holy Spirit is daily. Amen. It's daily. We said it back in the Holy Spirit series. It's meant to be shared, not stored. Amen. Amen. There's this thing called spiritual formation. And what spiritual formation is, it's the process of being conformed. Somebody say conformed. Conformed to the image of Christ within the community of Christ and the trajectory of Christ for the sake of others. See, we are conformed. We don't form ourselves. We receive who we are from God and what we are becoming comes from God. Amen. Amen. You know, we used to sing that song about holiness, you know, and part of it is, you know, take my mind and conform it. Why? Because your mind has already been formed. But when it comes to following Jesus, it needs to be conformed. And what that means is the current state that you are. I love that because if you look up the word, the definition of conform means to literally be in the same shape. So when we're saying, Lord, conform our mind, but make, make it put it in the, if whatever, uh, whatever your mind looks like, Jesus, let my mind look like that. However you think, Jesus, let me think the same way. How patient, the patience that you have, the level of patience you're able to walk in, Lord, give me that same type of level of patience. How you're able to empathize with those despite of whether they are for you or against you. The Bible says that his love on the cross was displayed for everybody. And see, we're good at helping out our own. We're good at, you know, passing a dollar or two to our own. We're good at lending a hand or cooking a meal to our own, but what about those that aren't for us? What about the enemies at work? What about the enemies that you don't talk to? What about that one person, you, if you see at Walmart, you are scooting and mooting them feet before you just dragging because you're like, Lord, I don't want to be in here. But also you got that renewal of energy when you see that one person, oh, Sunday, Kellen, come on, come on, daddy, don't, daddy, we just, come on, son. We got to go. We got to get out of here. What about that person? Are we are we able to uh, are we able to extend the Christ like a love that we need to? Amen? Amen. But I love this liturgies. I love this. So talking about spiritual formation. So therefore, the believer is daily being conformed into the image of Christ. Can I reread verse ten? Sorry, verse ten says, "For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God." See, did you know this? Did you not feel like one of those PBS uh, PSAs? Did you know? Did you know that you can flush your thoughts with truth? You can flush your thoughts with truth. You can flush out your thoughts with truth. I love this because in verse 8 in the Mirror Study Bible, it says it this way. But now, because you realize that you are, that you co-died and were co-raised with, together with Jesus Christ, you can flush your thoughts with truth. Permanently put these things behind you, such as violent outbursts of rage, depression, all manner of wickedness, slander, and every form of irregular conversation. You can, you can flush your mind with truth. All the thoughts that we have that shouldn't be, you know, the ones we talked about before, the thoughts that you got to swipe past and pull down, 
Uh, you know, I'm going to swipe down and, and, you know, take every thought that's captive, you know, take thought, take captive every thought that exalts itself against the imagination of Christ. But honestly, all those thoughts that we have to swipe past, you know, yes, it's great to swipe past them, but also we can just flush them out. Lindsay, how do you flush them out? By focusing on the truth of God's word, focusing on the truth of God's character, focusing on who Jesus is. Amen. So therefore, the lifelong association we have with sin has been broken. The lifelong association with sin has been broken. The dominion of the character of God is revealed in ordinary life. God's character, God's dominating character, it is revealed in your ordinary life. Amen. That's why I put pictures of people doing ordinary things. You got somebody cutting the grass. You got somebody pumping gas. Somebody at the grocery store. Bless his heart. He ain't got kids. And he's still looking like he's struggling. Like, I don't know if this is going to work. There's a picture of my boy celebrating on the mound. I couldn't help it. I had to put that one in there. I love that. I love looking at it. He just, he's so happy. And I, I don't even know if they won that game. It didn't matter to daddy. He was happy. Daddy was happy. You know, I even got a picture of, you know, uh, some people folding clothes because that's something you do on the ordinary. Cooking, driving, uh, playing in the, in the water. I mean, it's, it's hot. If you don't do that, I encourage you to do it. At least try to do it because it's too hot. You cool, cool yourself off. Cool your body off. But in other words, we should be reminded. We should be reminded of God's character by what we see and experience on the daily. Amen. What we see, what we see and experience on the daily, we, we should find a way to be reminded of God's character. Paul said it best. You don't have to turn here, but Paul said it best in Romans chapter one, verse 19 and 20. He said that the invisible attributes of God can be seen in his visible creation. I'll say that again. If you, it's, it's a bar in Romans, not in Romans one, 19 and 20. Paul said that the invisible attributes of God, who God truly is, his character he is he the the in order for us to see that we can see it in his visible creation. We be we should be able to look at a redwood tree and see how sturdy it is and be reminded how faithful and sturdy God is. We should be able to look at Mount Everest and be in awe of it and and instantly be reminded of how awestruck God is. We should be able to look at the Grand Canyon and see how vast it is or look at the Great Wall of China, see how long it is and know that man and be reminded of how God, how his wingspan stretches from the east to the west. We should be able to look at God's creation. Watch this. We should be able to look at God, who he has created. We should be able to look at his creation in the mirror and be reminded that he is faithful, that he is wonderful, that he is a intentional God. Why? Because he's created you. And guess what? He doesn't make a mistake. He doesn't create out of boredom. Uh, you know, I'm kind of bored today. What are we going to do? What are we going to make Miranda? There she is. Bada bing, bada boom. You know, he wasn't bored and made you. No, he was longing for you. He was longing for fellowship. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verses 19 through 23, how the Lord, how the Father desires those that will worship him. Not those that will just sing songs daily, but no, those we've talked about before, but those that will press their face against him. I love when my boys, I love, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but I love to press, at the end of the night, I love to press my face against them. And what I do is forehead to forehead. And you know what happens? They'll stare at me and all of a sudden, daddy, daddy. Why? Because they can't help it. They are, their face is pressed up against the one that they share DNA with. 
And what happens, joy begins to bubble. And they can't explain it. They just begin to giggle and laugh. What happens when you press your face against the Father? Some of that resentment is going to start to wash away. That's why when we was in the presence of God earlier, we were worshiping. That's why I kept saying, let that bitterness go. Just let it go. The confusion. The Lord, I don't understand this. Let it just, just let it all go. I don't like frozen, but they were on to something. Just let it all go. <laughs> let it all go. Somebody say, let it go. <laughs> but, you know, the invisible attributes of God, the character of God can be found in his creation. Amen. One tool, one tool that can help you and me be reminded of God's character through our everyday life is liturgies. Somebody say liturgies. Liturgies. So a liturgy is repetitive. This is my this is my translation. This is my definition of it. But a liturgy is a repetitive pattern of worship with the goal being that the pattern draws us into worship and conforms us into the image of the one we worship. I know it's a long definition, so I'll break it down. But a liturgy ultimately is a repetitive form of worship, drawing you into worship, conforming you into the likeness of the one you worship. It's something that you repeat that's drawing you in to conform you to look more like Jesus, to sound more like Jesus. It's something that's reminding you. It's something that you do that reminds you of the character of God. Amen. Okay, I give you a, okay, I'm going to give you two examples of, you know, some liturgies in a minute. But understand this, it's very important to know that liturgies are not meant to be legalistic. It's easy to make it legalistic because, see, understand this, legalist, legalism, all it is is to legalism is us focusing more on the method instead of the Savior. When we focus more on, okay, how did we get the presence of God to come this morning? Okay, we need to do exactly that next Sunday. All right, then you've made worship legalist or legalistic versus, hey, he's a kind God. He'll show up. He'll show up. The Bible says that when two or three gathered together, but also guess what? He lives in you. So he came with you this morning because you are here. He's here. Amen. Watch this. Once you get back in the car, he's in the car where you go. He follows. He follows where you go. He follows. He will follow you. He promised that no matter where you will go, he will follow you. See, y'all thought they sung it first. No, he was singing as he was going back up into heaven. And I'm going to work on a translation. We're just going to do a New Testament because Old Testament is pretty long. I'm going to work on a translation. But then Lindsay Melton translation, as he's ascending, you're going to say, I will follow you wherever you go. We laugh, but, you know, sometimes when we feel like we're all alone, we need to be reminded, hey, hey I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm, there's another one in the fire with me. There is another one in the den, closing the mouths of everything that's trying to devour me. I am not alone. Somebody say, I'm not alone. alone. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But liturgies, it's easy. It's going to be tempting to focus on the formula. It's going to be tempted to focus on the method of how we get all these different things. But it's never legal. Uh, Liturgies are not meant to be legalistic. They are meant to be grace-based. They are meant to be grace-based. See, a good thing becomes legalistic when we focus on the method and lose sight of the Savior. Amen? A good thing, I shouldn't even say a good thing, a God thing. A God thing becomes legalistic when we focus on the method and lose sight of the Savior. Amen? 
So let me give you two examples of liturgies. One of these I've told y'all before, and another one, we, uh, our family, we just started maybe a month, month and a half ago. But the first one, this, this first liturgy that we do, it's called the bedtime blessing. And you've heard me talk about it before. Honestly, all it is, we, I press my face against the boys. I do one at a time because I want them to have that one-on-one time with me. I press my face when I say, hey, can you see my eyes? And Kellen, 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 I, I've learned now, Kellen, he, he'll go through it. And, and I, you know, when he started doing this maybe a few weeks ago, but, you know, when Keenan does it, it's hard to keep his attention. He's young. He's a kid. It is what it is. We, so I have to say the things over and over. But I've noticed with Kellen, he's like, he's focused. So I'm like, oh, snap, you know, Lord, he might be getting it. And what it is, he has found daddy's tickle spot. So he's just ready to get it through, get it over with. That way when daddy hugs him at the end, he can right underneath. G-Daddy told him where my tickle spot was. And now the boy just, he's ready. He's like, so he's, he's locked in and he's focused. And I forget about that. That's his goal in mind. So as soon as we say amen and hug, whew, he's right. So last night I did it. And so I said amen. I knew what he was about to do. I was ready. So I, it's a God. I said, uh-huh. You need to focus on Jesus. Let's do this over. <laughs> Stop focusing on trying to get that. You need to focus on getting Jesus, okay? <laughs> Let's do it all over again. But the bedtime liturgy or the bedtime blessing, all it is, I put my forehead against their forehead. I say, hey, can you see my eyes? Yes, I can see your eyes. I say, can you see that I see your eyes? Yes. I'm like, what do you see when you see my eyes? Me. And, of course, that gets me every time. And then I say, you know, Kenan, do you know Daddy loves you even when you do bad things? Yes. I said, you know Daddy loves you even when you do good things? Yes. I said, who else loves you like that? And Cohen, Cohen will answer. Cohen will be like, God. And, you know, Kenan says, God. I'm like, that's right, because God is big. Uh, God is good, big, and he's full of what? And Cohen will answer again, love, love. I'm like, that's right, he's full of love. And I was like, so then, uh, you know, used to, I would, you know, make up this uh, kooky little thing, but now what I do is their blanket that they're laying that's wrapped around them, I say, so now I want you to pretend that God's love is like this blanket. It's wrapped around you, keeping you warm and safe, okay? That's what God's love is like, right? They're like, right. I said, all right, now I want you to sleep in his love. And I wrap that blanket around him, hug him. And then I go to the Nets boy, do the Nets boy. And the goal of this bedtime blessing, the goal of this bedtime liturgy is one, it's, it's, it's to remind my kids that God loves them unconditionally. It's to remind them that God loves them unconditionally. It's to show them the God, or it's to show them that God is the father in Luke chapter 15. The one that will stand at the edge of the road anticipating and waiting. Not so he can say, I told you so, but so he can see them from afar off and run to them and wrap his loving arms around them and shield them from the stones that could be coming their way. It's to remind them, it's to make sure that their last thought at the end of the night is that God loves me. And the Holy Spirit revealed to me one time that also it's for me as well. It's to remind me that, hey, love your kids unconditionally. Despite what they did that day, despite what they did that night, despite what they broke, despite how much of your patience they bent, love them unconditionally. So not only is it for them, but it's for me as well. And it reminds me that how great the father is, because as I'm saying, hey, do you uh, who else loves you like that? God, in my mind, I'm like, you know what? God does love them, like, but he also loves me like that. That's what a liturgy does. It points you back to the attributes, to the character of God in everyday things. Another liturgy we started doing, and I love it. It's fun. You know, at first, and you know, it's, it's making the bed. 
I don't have a fancy word for it. It's just making the bed, the making the bed liturgy or the making the bed blessing. And all it is is, you know, I make, in the mornings, you know, I've showed them how to make the bed. Bless their hearts. They do their best, and I just, I just applaud it. I applaud it. You know, it's still got the wrinkles and stuff. As they get older, we'll work on that. You know, well, I ain't going to do like mom did for me. We'll, we'll work on it. I, I got stories for that. That was funny. <laughs> I would tell one. I remember one time I made the bed, got dressed or whatever. It was still like, I was, we were still in the double wide by Ben Mama's house. And I'm laying in it, and this is probably why I say this to the boys now. I'm in my school clothes just waiting for her. She's doing whatever. I'm just laying in the bed, just playing, you know, da-da-da. We get out, uh, get up, and she's like, all right, ready to go. I was like, what are you doing? What are the, where did those wrinkles in your clothes come from? Ah, fits them. <laughs> you better not make me look homeless. With the wrinkles like that. And I found myself one time when Kellen was in his school clothes rolling around. He gets, he's wrinkled. I said, boy, you look homeless. What you doing? <laughs> and I thought, where did that come from? I was like, oh, I know where that came from. And sure enough, sure enough, you know, maybe weeks later or whatever, Kellen picked out his clothes. And he, and Kelsey called me because he went, went up to her crying. She's like, what's wrong, baby? He's like, I have wrinkles in my clothes. I look homeless. <laughs> So now I've had to backtrack and let them know it's okay to have wrinkles, buddy. Listen, if, you, if you're concerned that much about it, daddy will iron them. And if daddy can't get them out, Nana. Nana is the wrinkle get outer. Okay? <laughs> Forget bounty, you know. Nana can get some wrinkles out. Forget shout, you know. Or little, the wrinkle spray thing. Nah, you don't need that. You need, you need Nana. That's who you need. She can get it out. Oh. Hey. Hey, father, oh, that's put that on father time. We can't, you know, we can't help that. But with this making the bed liturgy, all they do is they have to make the bed. And I've and I explained to them, okay, boys, why here's why we make the bed. It reminds us that God takes the messy things and makes them beautiful. And I preach that to them and I say that to them. So as they're making the bed, I will say, Hey boys, why are we making the bed? Because God makes God takes the messy things and makes them beautiful. You know, that was the first week. You know, second week, guys, boys, while we make the bed, God takes the messy things and makes them beautiful. And uh, so, so one day, you know, starting this new job, uh, you know, mom and Dre or whatever, the ones getting ready in the mornings, and because uh, Kelsey was out of town. And so when I went to my store, picked them up, you know, Kellen came up to me as we're getting ready to leave. He's like, uh, uh, you know, they didn't make the beds that morning, so he's apologized. And I said, it's okay. And uh, I, so the next day, uh, when I came home, you know, right before I was going to Montessori to give everybody, I walked by the room and I noticed the beds were made. I was like, all right, sweet, they did it. And uh, so when we got to, when I got to Montessori, I said, hey, boys, I noticed you made your beds. Thank you. And they're like, yeah, we made our beds. And uh, Miranda, she was out in the hall, I said, and I thought, hey, this is an opportunity. I said, hey, boys, I said, tell Miss Miranda why we made the bed. And without missing a beat, it wasn't a hesitant, it was a, uh, it was a joy came out of it. Because God takes the messy things and makes them beautiful. And because I want them, I, that's, that's showing an attribute of God that, hey, it is true. God is so kind that he takes our mess. He takes our mess. He doesn't, he doesn't see it and be like, oh, shy away from it or, oh, you know, that's too much for me. No, he gets in the middle of your mess. 
He, he figures out, he works all things out. What does Romans 8, 28 says? He works all things out for the good of those that love him. He gets in there. So I'm trying to, I, I want my boys to understand that God works all things out. So guess what? As messy as your bed was when you slept in it, as you're making it, that's what God does. He gets in it and he pulls out the creases. He pulls out the wrinkles. He takes their stuff. They'll take their stuffed animals and place them the way they desire. He will go into the middle of your mess and place things according to his desires and guess what his desires are for you to prosper and to benefit and to live in good health so guess what when God takes the messes and makes things beautiful that's what he is doing in your life amen and this is a simple exercise but it is an exercise for me to get them to see. And also it reminds us, me and Kelsey as well, that guess what? Hey, God is in the middle of our life, in the middle of our situation. He sees the messes and he's working them out. He's cleaning them up. He's straightening them up. And they're reminded of this as they make the bed. See, liturgies, they are pointing you back to the character of God in just ordinary things. Amen? Amen. Lindsay, that's just a super practical gospel. But you know what? It should be. We should be able to look and see, okay, as we're driving down the road, we should be able to look and see things and be reminded of how good he is. We should be able to look and see, you know, and be reminded of where he brought you from. Amen. We should be able to look and see different things. Yesterday, I was, as I'm going to get dinner, I'm in a fog and I'm just, I'm confused and I'm hurting. I'm upset. I'm just talking to God. I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, like, I'm just, I'm in the, I'm in the forerunner. So nobody else on me. So I'm just letting them have it. I'm just like, ah. Woe is me. Tell them all. I'm giving them the laundry list. And as I get the food, the food smelling good. And then, you know, the Holy Spirit worked through the food, through the aroma, because as I'm driving down Main Street, you know, the smell just goes, and I was like, man, that smells good. I was like, ooh, Lord, that smells good. You know, my tune, my tune changed from it. Lord, that smells good. And I'm like, oh, man, the boy's going to love that. Shoot, they don't love it. I, I know I'm going to love it. Like, <laughs> I don't know about them. They, what they don't need, daddy may clean their plate. It was, I mean, it was just smelling good. And I thought to my, the Holy Spirit reminded me, so your woes, what does that have to do with the, the joy and happiness of your kids? And I'm like, well, Lord, it has nothing to do with it. The, and he said, what the woes that you're experiencing, what does it have to do with how you're going to father your kids? And I'm like, well, it has nothing to do with it. I have three boys that are waiting for me. I have a wife that's waiting for me to bring food, but also they're waiting for me to walk in the door. And the moment I walk in the door, the room, the atmosphere is going to change. Okay, Lord. Wow, you, you, you've blessed me with that. And instantly my tune changed. Instantly my language changed. Instantly my heartbeat changed. Instantly my mind changed. Why? Because through an ordinary thing, food smelling in the car, the Lord reminded me of the blessings that I have. That's a liturgy of something ordinary but reminding you of the character of God and how good he is and what he's done for us. Amen. We must choose to see the character of God revealed in ordinary life. Seeing the character of God, it's a choice. Seeing the character of God in ordinary things and the things that you do every day, it is a choice. As you're doing the laundry, here's the liturgy. Lord, thank you that your blood has washed me white as snow. But I about everybody was sleeping in the house when I wrote that down last night. I was like, blush on day They said, Lord, thank you, Jesus. I looked at that basket of clothes. It looked different then. Because before this, I was looking at the boys' clothes. Oh, man, I got to fold all that and put it all. What am I going to time? But as I'm, as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, oh, Lord. 
you, you, you clean me up. And guess what? Some of y'all, y'all already know a liturgy when it comes to, to the laundry. You just didn't know it was a liturgy. But, you know, when you think about it as we're folding and washing and putting things up, but there's a, there's a famous liturgy that we all know. And, in fact, if you know, you could join me into it. But it was wrote several years ago. But literally, Papa, you thought I was worth saving. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was worth keeping. Oh, man. I put, that, I put that in the boys' sleep playlist because there's sometimes if I wake up in the middle of the night, I hear it as I'm rolling back over. I want to be reminded. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for. So you sacrificed your life. If you know, we all know, so I could be free, so I could be whole, so I can tell everyone I know. We're telling everybody. So that means that we've been given a mission. You're, you're putting those clothes back you know, on the same shelf. Therefore, they, they, because you see that they have a purpose. You've been given a purpose. We can be reminded of that as we're folding clothes and washing them and putting them away. Be reminded that, guess what? As the stains on your clothes have been cleaned, the stain of sin has been cleaned off your life and been washed. Paul said it hasn't been swept under the rug. It has been completely, completely washed. And you have been made white as snow. Amen? Amen, amen. You know, another liturgy, while, uh, you know, while you're pumping gas into a car, you know, you can see yourself as the vehicle and God filling you and refilling you. In fact, David said in Psalms 103 verse 5, he said that God fills our life with good things. And watch this, your youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, pumping gas is going to look different now. As you're pumping gas, you're going to be reminded, Lord, I thank you. Just as I'm, I'm filling this, this vehicle back up, you are filling me up and you're renewing me like the eagles. Amen. You are renewing my strength. You are renewing my health. You are renewing my mental health. You are renewing my capacity to love. You are renewing my capacity to, to exercise patience. You are renewing my capacity to not have to deal with drama. You are renewing my capacity to be reminded that I have been freed and deliver Lord as I'm pumping gas as I'm filling this vehicle I thank you right now you are filling me listen people are gonna look at you weird at the pump but when they ask questions you just say oh hey guess what the Lord's filling me right now the Lord is filling my tank I've had a bad week or I've had a long week or a stressful week or I've had one of those days and he's refilling me hey sir do you want to be refilled by the presence of God hey ma'am do you want to be refilled by the power of heaven aka the Holy Spirit Pumping gas ought to look different now. Amen. As I'm filling this tank, he is filling me, Psalms 103, verse 5. Somebody say, he is refilling me. I love this, another liturgy. When we're cooking, oh, Lindsay, how can, how, can, how can we see the character of God when we're cooking? Well, guess what? As you prepare a meal... As you detail a meal out, there's, you know, I don't cook as much as I used to, but there's certain meals that when I cook, like, for example, if I'm, if I'm cooking, uh, I remember the first time I cooked chicken quesadillas. It was back when we lived in Virginia. And I tried to, I, I cheated and bought the bad chicken. It was all right, you know, but one day I was like, man, I bet you this tastes good if I, if I just bought raw chicken and, and put in the time and the effort and cooked it. So I bought the raw chicken, put in the time, seasoned it, cooked it, cut it up. I mean, it took a minute to do all that. And any time I cook chicken quesadillas, everybody loves them, but it takes a minute because there's detailed work in it. But as I'm cutting it up, I got to cut it into the right, to the right size. I can't just be lazy and chop, 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 and then throw it. No, it's got to be the right size because it's got to be able to fit in the, in the flour tortilla. And as I'm picking the right type of cheese that needs to go in there, and if anybody wants peppers and onions, got to cut them up, dice them up, cook them. 
in the same type of ingredients so it all blends together. Lindsay, how does this remind us of the character of God? But as, as I'm preparing this meal, I can be reminded that, Lord, as I'm preparing this meal, I can be reminded that in John chapter 14, verse 2, Jesus said that he goes to prepare a place for us in his father's house. And see, guess what? When you are cooking, you are detailed about that meal. Guess what? As he's preparing a place for you, he's taking care of all the details in his father's house for you. So as you prepare a meal, be reminded, Lord, I thank you as I'm preparing this meal, as I speak speak right now you are preparing a place for me in my father's house and that is your promise to me you see how an ordinary thing can remind us of the character of God oh listen somebody probably tonight gonna be I can't wait to cook I can't wait to be like Lord I thank you right now you are preparing a place for me in my father's house Amen? amen when we're working in the yard or garden when we're working in the yard or garden, we can be reminded of John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, that Jesus is a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is the Father God, and how he cares for the branches connected to him lifted uh, by lifting them up and propping them up, the fruitless branches, and pruning every fruitful branch to, to yield a greater harvest. So as we're working in the yard, we can be reminded that Papa, a.k.a. our Heavenly Father, is the ultimate farmer. He is the ultimate gardener. He is the one that is taking care of us. Just as we cut down the weeds or just as we as we tend to the flowers, I remember I've watched Granny come up to Montessori and work the little flower pots and all that stuff. And as I watch her, I'm like, Lord, I would not want to do that. I don't have the patience to do that. In fact, you know, mom and them bought some flowers and I just like, you know, uh, or know that that's one of those days, Granny, don't get mad at me. One of those days I brought Kelsey lunch and I accidentally knocked the pot over. And she's like, ooh, and I'm like, it's not a big deal. So I just got the dirt put. It's like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. I'm like, it went, it, it just came for there. It's like five, ain't it like a 10 second rule even for the dirt on the ground? Can we just put it back in there? And she's like, no. And she's like, here's, here's what you got to do. She told me what I had to do. And I'm just like, oh, so I'm trying to do it. But I'm rushing through it. She's like, no, just, just. Just watch the kids. Watch this. And I'm going to do it. And, you know, she she got some more dirt, and she took it out and repositioned all this other stuff. And I'm just like, good Lord, all that, all that for a little flower pot. Like, it's she's like, boy, if Granny would saw that she'd been upset, I'm like, just put the Because in my mind, the dirt, it came for the dirt. Just put the dirt back in there. Dirt landed. Dirt landed. The dirt landing on dirt, so really the tree is in, or the little flowers gonna get more dirt as we put the dirt back in. So I don't understand. And you know, as I'm watching her work on all these intricate details, I'm reminded of, oh God, you're the great gardener. John chapter 15 says that if a if a vine or if a branch is not bearing fruit, you will prop it up. You will change its position. You will elevate it into a position to where it can benefit and get more fruit. Just as I knocked over that pot and the little plant was leaning, what did she do? She repositioned it. Just like God repositions us in order for us to bear fruit in seasons where everybody else is not bearing fruit. He will prop you up and he will elevate you. It may feel uncomfortable. The dirt may get kicked around. Things in your life that you are comfortable with may be taken from you but he is re-propping you up so as you are outside in the garden as you are outside cutting the grass or if you drive by and see somebody doing these things be reminded that the ultimate gardener aka papa god he is propping you up elevating you changing your position he is tending to your garden 
He is tending to your garden. He is tending to your garden. He is pulling the weeds of those bad desires out. He is pulling the weeds of the fruit of all the insecurities, of all the mistakes, of all the bitterness and all the regret that you have. He is pulling the weeds of drama and trauma out. And he is packing the right type of dirt. He is packing the right. I want you to think about this. The best onions, the best tomatoes, the best, all the best fruits and vegetables, they need dirt. Dirt. You know, if we get dirt on us, I don't know about you, but I'm washing it off. Like with my job, I am forced to, to embrace the dirt. I don't like that part. You know, I remember when they were training me and, you know, pull up the lid. I look, I was like, oh, God, that's dirty. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't want to be that guy. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. There's stuff in there. There's stuff in there. You can ask Kelsey. I was complaining. I was like, Lord, there's something moving. Oh, gee, that's a toad. Lord, how'd the toad get in there? What else is in there? Oh, God. Oh, God. And, and bless the heart, the trainer was like, I told her, I said, hey, there's a toad in there. She's like, yeah, you have to be careful because, you know, what's the toad running from? I'm like, I'm running too. <laughs> what? What? The toad ain't running. I'm running. Like, what we, like, come on, let's, let's, let's understand this. And, you know, the, the, the water meter would be dirty. And you know what you got to do? Because you got to be able to read the numbers. You got to clean off the water meter. So, you know what that means? So, you know, most of them, they would stick their, they'd stick their foot in there and wipe it off. But here's the problem. Most of them were like size 8s, size 9s. You got this guy with size 15 steel toe boots. My foot didn't always fit in there. You know, I, I kind of angle it, maybe get the, the toes to try to wipe it, but that didn't work. So, you know, the next thing you got to do, you got to stick your hand. Down in there and just wiping it up because you want to be able to read your number. So here I am, my first couple of days. <laughs> five, five, da, da, da. And then there were some times where that one little swipe wasn't enough. And they have hats where, you know, this one lady, she gave me a little spray bottle and all this is water. And you spray on the meter and what that water does, the, the force of the spray pushes that dirt. But it's not all, you know, a lot of times it's not one time. So you got to so my hand is down there with all the things, all the elements, and I'm just like, now I'm good. I, you know, just, you know, take a deep breath. Okay. All right, move on to the next one. But right down there, with all the earth, all the critters, all the stuff. We won't go into detail, but I've seen, I've seen some things. I've seen some things. But I got to thinking as I'm like, one day I'm like, Lord, as dirty as this is, I consider this nasty. But you plant the right type of seed in this, it could feed a community. Mm, I won't go there, but it could feed a community. And I'm like, but an ordinary thing, I'm being reminded of the character of God and how he takes what most people may consider dirt or what most people may consider dirt in your lives or what most people may consider, uh, you know, have counted you out or all these different things. God is the one that can plant something within you that can benefit somebody else. See, the goal of liturgies is not just to, is not just to, to get this, this head knowledge, but the goal of liturgies is for us to be reminded of how good he is on the daily, on the daily. That way when things come up, we can be driving down the road and see something and be reminded of how great he is. When the boss is tripping, we can instantly, we can, we can still be at work and something happen and be, we be reminded that he ultimately is our heavenly boss. He ultimately is in control of our life and he has not forgotten us. He has not forsaken us, but he is taking care of us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say liturgies. liturgies. 
So let me close with this. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it's very popular. We've, we've probably read it. We've heard it before. But Paul says this in verse 1. He says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? What should be your proper response? He says, your proper response is to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. And live in holiness. Experience all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Here's how we do that. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So total reformation of how you think. What does that mean, Lindsay? It's, it's repentance. It's a 180 of how you think. And he says, once we get this down, once we get, once we get used to making this 180, once we get, Lindsay, how do we make that 180? Well, it's like I said before, looking at the ordinary things and being reminded of the character of God. It's like when I'm working with the dirt, being reminded of, oh, man, God, God, God took all the dirt in my life. And he cleaned it out and he planted the right type of seeds, the right type of, and it's going to bear fruit. That's my promise in John chapter 15, verse 16. He didn't choose, or we didn't choose him, but he chose us so that we could bear fruit in, in every season. Fruit in every season. Lindsay, how does this total reformation of how we think, what, what does that look like? It looks like us looking at the ordinary things in our life. Well, Lindsay, the roof is leaking and needs fits. It does, but it's a constant drip. Oh, man, that constant drip reminds me of how the Holy Spirit is continually working in my life. And yes, the constant drip has to be fits, but also it doesn't, it's not as fearful as it seems. It's not as weighing on my heart as it is. Oh, it'll get taken care of, but my joy is still intact. My peace is still intact. Man, the car is going down and it's fitzing. But man, look how, look how far it's brought me. Oh man, that reminds me of how far the Lord has brought me and how he promises to never, for, to never forsake me. Even though this car is temporarily out of commission, it's not like God. God is never out of commission. You see, it's the ordinary things. That if we, if we choose to, we can let the ordinary things remind us of the character of God. So it's the making of the bed to remind my kids, hey, God, listen, no matter what you go through, God is going to take all things and work them out for your good. All things. And next week we'll go over some more liturgies. We'll go over some more examples. But I encourage you this week, as you're pumping the gas in your vehicle, be reminded of Psalms 103, verse 5. He is refilling me and renewing my youth like the eagles. Last time I checked, an eagle can soar to great heights. So he is renewing you to soar to great heights. In fact, even as you're pumping gas, you may have to say, Lord, I thank you. If you can't remember all that as you're pumping gas, Lord, I thank you. Just as I'm pumping the gas, you are renewing me to soar to great heights, to soar to like the eagles. I remember in, when we was at New Life, we used to sing the song, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary. Sing that as you're, as you're pumping there. Sing that as you're refilling your vehicle. 
Lord, I thank you. You are, you are, called, you are renewing me to soar to great heights. As you're cooking a meal, you know, one of our, one of our big, one of our burdens is, you know, what are we going to do for dinner? Oh, I don't want to know. What are you going to do? Oh, I guess we need to cook something to save money. There ain't nothing to eat in this town. Oh. As we're cooking, oh. and kids coming up to me, Daddy, what's going to be? It's going to be ready when it's ready. You just wait. But instead of having that mindset, hey, it's going to be ready. Daddy, Daddy's got, Daddy's putting his foot in this. Daddy's doing some details, but you know what? Who else does details? God does the details in our life. As you get up in the morning and you're running out to work, just take a few seconds, remind yourself that God makes the messes into beautiful things and, and just pull those covers up on that bed. Or as you're going, as you're ripe about to go to sleep at night, remind yourself, say the, say the bedtime blessing to yourself. Father, I see your eyes. Father, I know you see my eyes. Lord, I know you love me even when I do bad things. I know you love me when I'm tripping. I know you love me when I'm slipping. I know you love me when I'm all these different things. But also, I know you love me even when I do good things. Lord, no one else loves me like you do. There's no one else in the world that can touch my heart the way that you do. Lord, I know I can search. Well, I mean, just start, sing, just start saying, the, saying the words, uh, some of the most dear worship songs to your heart. Lord, I know that no one else can touch me like you do. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I can search through all the world and still not find no one like you. Or better yet, like Fashawn Mitchell said, there's no one greater than you, God. I can search the highest mountain. David said it best, I can climb to the highest mountain and you're still there. I can make my bed in hell and you're still there. I can go to the furthest point on the East Coast and you're still there. I could get lost in my insecurities, but still I'm not lost from you. I could get lost in people's drama. I could get lost in people's opinions, but still you are there with your arms stretched out waiting for me. Yes. Waiting at the edge of the road to run and grab me and scoop me up and remind me of who I've always been. Ordinary things, church. As you put your coats on, be reminded, hey, I'm wrapped in the Almighty. Woo! Church, this, this is endless. Liturgies are endless. As you're putting your shoes on, I thank you, Lord, my feet are shod with the gospel of peace. Ah! As you're putting, I mean, we can keep on going. As you're putting a ball cap on, I thank you, I have the mind of Christ. I, I've been given an earthly crown. That I can lay at the feet of God when I get to my house. That he's preparing for me as I prepare. I'll be, come on, church. It goes and goes and goes. But I feel like the Lord is putting us in this direction because guess what? Life is getting hard. Life is getting harder. You look on the news. It's story. I, I was telling mom one time. This is back when Kelsey uh, was still out. But one time we was watching the news and it was just story, doom and gloom after story upon story upon story. I mean, it was heavy. And it hit me, I was like, Lord, is there nothing good? And the Holy Spirit reminded me, no, there's, I'm good. And I was, yes, you are, Jesus. Yes, you are. And because of that, my peace and joy remained intact. I didn't surrender to my fear. Like Jesus warns us about in John 14, 1. I didn't surrender to my fear. If we're not going to surrender to our fears, this is how we do it. Amen. This is how we do it.